Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. to the Real Bucks Talk Podcast. This is Michael Plus, joined by Mark Ramirez. And it's almost getting to that time. We're in the Christmas spirit. And the Bucks are ready to change the, the, the tune. The new chapter is coming because Dirk Cutter has only got two more games, and so then he's probably going to be on the way out. But before we get there, we have to play a game tomorrow, and that is against the Dallas Cowboys as they are fighting for their playoff lives, trying to get in and win the division. And so they have a lot to play for. The Bucks. we're just trying to see, uh, you know, who has what, who's going to be on the team next year. And hopefully, you know, those guys step up their game. But, Mark, I think, you know, this should be a fun one. Again, I'm excited. I'm already looking towards 2019. <laughs> and uh, But it should be fun. I mean, we can just enjoy these last two games. Whatever happens, happens. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you can look at the Cowboys – they're they're fighting for a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. We wish we could be doing that. Right. We're yeah. just we're playing the Rays part right now. We're the spoilers, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and if you look at the game, yeah, the the Colts beat the crap out of the Cowboys the last game, and that's because they have a great running game. Do we have that? No. <laughs> Are we going to try and do that? Hopefully. And I mean, Peyton Barber should have a good day. I mean, just I mean, we'll look into that more. But just looking at it from the outside. The way to beat them is to run over them. Mm-hmm. We, we're we not a good running team. We're and I'm going to laugh, but we try and force the ball deep because mm-hmm. that's what we do. And their defense is built to stop the deep pass. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's my two cents of how that's going to look. But do you want to just jump into their, their yeah. offense, their defense? Which one do you want to do first? Let's, uh, let's just stay on that, that tune. Let's stay on our offense versus their defense. Um, it's been an interesting week. I mean, you, you got Deshaun Jackson back coming uh, – He's going to play tomorrow, uh, so pretty much you're pretty much healthy uh, throughout the the roster. This is probably the most healthy we've been. Unfortunately, it's not for a, a playoff run like it should be, but um, yeah, I mean you look at our offense. I mean Mark said it. What the Colts did last week, they just pretty much out physical out physical the Cowboys uh, by running the football. That's something we could do if we really wanted to and committed to it, but I just don't see that happening. Uh, the way that we stick with our agenda, the way we 
um, you know, have to run our game plan. That that 15 play script is pretty much set in stone, and we just continue to see that and stick with it, <laughs> no matter what happens. Uh, but you look at their defense, very aggressive, very fast. We talked about you know Chris Richard, you know, last week and. Yeah, so Chris Richard, he plays a very aggressive style of defense, and that's how they, they follow suit. Um, very up-the-field oriented, try to get into your face. Uh, and the Colts just did a good job of counteracting that by being more physical and moving guys. That's something we could do with, you know, the Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, if we, if we wanted to, um, because they have, a, they have a small front four, though it is athletic and fast. So that's where I could see it giving us trouble because we're not very athletic or fast up front. So it'll be interesting. Um, there'll, be, there'll be opportunities, I will say, for us to make plays. It's just about taking advantage of those. Yeah, but you're, you're telling them to change their offensive line scheme right. differently. We're not going to do that. No. If there's anything, it's going to be smaller moves. So it'll be smaller, quick passes, and you hope for that, mm-hmm. and not the long developing stuff because that's just playing into the Cowboys – like advantage so yeah like you're saying chris richard plays pretty much man up usually single high deep safety like the earl thomas look that just ranges wherever he wants and aggressive corners on the edges and you're, you're supposed to get what you can out of it not push it deep mm-hmm. what do you think we're going to do that's i mean you're going to be able to get little chunks here and there which i hope the bucks see and they will attack to do because we, we've done it before we did it against the, the panthers when they were here, and we looked damn good in the first half. Mm-hmm. And then we get away from it. If we could stay consistent with something, I'd be surprised. But you could be the spoiler and actually win a game in Jerry's world, which would be amazing nonetheless. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't see us doing it. Do I see us running the ball well? Not, not either. Like, I, their two linebackers are insane. They got Jalen Smith, who runs all over the place. They're blitzing him now. Yeah. Uh, Van Der Esch. Van Der Esch, the neck. And then uh, now Sean Lee's coming back. So, I mean, they're loaded all over the place and filling gaps. They can do that. Our offensive line isn't the Colts' offensive line. We wish we had one of those guys, but we just aren't that team. We're going to try and beat them by passing. Look what the Saints try to do. I mean, you, you, yeah. you just, they do it better than us, and we're, we're not going to do that. I mean, we can beat them. Will we? No, I don't think, unless – Hopefully they make me eat my words. <laughs> yeah, I think, you know, the only way I – and there will be opportunities to go down the field. The problem – the main thing is we're going to have to do, like, some max protection and, you know, really take advantage of the play-action passing game. The Colts did some of those things last week, and they, they were able to hit Tyreek Hill – or not Tyreek Hill, um, T.Y. Hilton um, down the field. Yeah, I don't know why I had Tyreek Hill on the on the brain. Um, but, yeah, they were able to get some to, some shots down the field last week. Okay, but you're saying shots down the field. Mm-hmm. Andrew Luck was 16-27, 59%, 192 yards. That, that's that's like a half for Jameis Winston usually. Right. That's no. not good. I mean, that, that shows their defense is built to stop the pass and the deep ball. That's, what, that's going into what I'm telling you. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. They they had a good, excellent, balanced game plan where they used the run. I believe Mack had over 28 touches or and something. 27 carries, and he yeah. had just one catch, so he had 28. Exactly. Yeah, so... I mean, it's going to take that kind of game, but I just don't know. Like you said, we're not built for that. We're, yeah. we're not doing it right now. Uh, I would love to see Peyton Barber get 30 touches, but it's just, <laughs> but that's just not going to happen. Um, plus, we lost 
uh, probably a very key ingredient in Allen Cross, who's going to be – he's out for the year now. So that's a huge blocking piece. He's one of the main guys where we do run the football well. He's in there. Uh, so he's out. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be tough. I mean, you, you do get Deshaun back, which is going to help you open up the field for Mike Evans and company, uh, maybe get a little bit more space. But I don't know. I mean, you have Byron Jones on, on Evans. That's going to be a tough matchup for Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting. We'll see. Uh, I think as far as points go, I think we should be able to put up some points. But I, I don't know. I said 20 points in the last two games combined, so I'm hoping they score eight. <laughs> make me right but no i you know 20 is 20 should be doable but we'll see okay again we always hold on the ball will we change that i doubt it you have lawrence and gregory on the outside they've both been playing really well our two edge protectors don't do so well right now mm-hmm. they have been playing well the only guy's playing at high level is marpet their inside guy was what the hell was his name again they have Malik Collins. Malik Collins, that was the guy. And they have, I think, he's yeah, very, Woods. very good. Yeah, Woods is another one. My thing is, we're going to have to change our whole mentality as an offense. Do you think we're going to do that this late mm-hmm. in the season? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're you're going to have to be smart. And, and that's, I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but I mean, right. yeah, pass shorter and run the ball, mm-hmm. and you'll have a chance and get an early lead. Right. Cause, well, we've done a good job of that. The last couple of weeks, I mean, we had we've taken the lead on the first drive or, or somewhere near that. You know, usually first couple of possessions we score a touchdown, we get up, and then we just don't we fall back into the same old same old. And but then that's the thing, yeah. Just get an early lead and don't stop, keep right, going. Right. And you just don't shoot yourselves in the foot and score on when you get down there. Don't kick field goals. Yeah. But that's a result of what Cutter's been doing all year. So do I expect a change? Not so much. Yeah. I mean, the good news is it is in a dome, so we will be in good environment, uh, be played faster in dome. Uh, you won't have rain, so that's good. Jameis is going to have the visor back on, mm-hmm. so maybe, <laughs> you know, he, he, I think he's going to play well regardless. I, I like how he's been playing the last uh, several weeks, even back to the Giants game. So I'm not worried about him. You know, again, the main thing is taking advantage of these uh, weaknesses, and that's something we preach on every week. And I just don't know if the Bucks are going to be able to do that screen game, you know, doing those things, quick, quick, short passing game. All those things have to come into play. And I just, I don't feel that's going to happen. Yeah. Know? Why do we get away from the screen game? I didn't see one screen in the well, Ravens, did we? Well, we just don't run it very well. <laughs> well, it usually used to be the bread and butter for Humphreys, but that's true. I don't know what the heck's he's, happening. He's the only guy that can do it well, and the rest of them are running backs. And we tried it with OJ. When you can't do that with Bray. I mean, you probably could, but yeah, no. they just have no confidence in it. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, but that's that's our offense in a nutshell. We all know that we're a vertical offense. We try and push the vertical offense. We're probably going to try it against the Cowboys. It probably won't work. Mm. And then we're going to be in a hole and just have to push it even more. Yeah. And that's where the interceptions come from. Yeah. And then it's put, blamed on Winston when he's trying to bring us back. Oh, he's, he's an idiot and dumb throw. <laughs> well, if you're not in a hole or if you're not already down, you're not forced to throw every damn down. Yeah. You want his throws to be down around 30, not 40, 45. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think – and another thing, we, you know, that's just the energy level that the Cowboys are going to be – playing at i think is going to be higher than ours just because what they're playing for you know that's a big factor they're going to be motivated especially getting shut out last week Mm -hmm. so i just think they're going to be on it and especially under their home fans it's going to be loud 
I think if they win this game, they pretty much clinch the division because I think Eagles and the Redskins both have tough matchups. So there's a there's a lot to be playing for. Uh, I just I don't know. It's going to be tough. I think we can score points, but I just don't know how that's going to happen facing what we're going to be going up against with their pass rush and our offensive line is struggling. Offense in general is just on a regression. So it'll be interesting. I hope you're right with the eight points. Yeah. 20, <laughs> yeah. 20 in two, two weeks so you can just laugh in people's faces. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, I, I don't see us doing really well, but I do see us competing in mm-hmm. our – and that is because of what our defense can do. And that's going on over to the def- our defensive side versus their offense. Right. And this is where I think we have an advantage. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. So, and we're starting with that. I want to talk. There's a, the Bucks do a good show with Scott Smith when they interview mm-hmm. uh, like a beat reporter for the other following team. This is the Cowboys beat reporter talking about if he sees our, like the Bucks defensive line winning or the Cowboys defensive line winning. And, you all know how our offensive line is. This is how bad he thinks the Cowboys' offensive line is. And this is him talking about our pass rush. I would think that the uh, Tampa Bay pass rush probably has the best chance to wreak the most havoc. And a lot of that has to do with the state of the Cowboys' yeah. offensive line. Um, Zach Martin, the pro, uh, perennial Pro Bowl off, uh, right guard, uh, did not practice again uh, yesterday. His status is very much in doubt. And, of course, as you probably know, Travis Frederick has been out the entire uh, season. Uh, Tyron Smith, who uh, made his sixth Pro Bowl at left tackle, is, uh, has not been the same Tyron Smith, even though he did make the Pro Bowl. Uh, so I give the advantage to Tampa Bay, mainly based on the fact they haven't been able to protect Dak Prescott all year, as evidenced by the 51 sacks. Ouch. 51 sacks. Ooh, boy. <laughs> And it's true. I mean, Vita Vea is coming on lately. Carl, Nap- Carl Nassib has been playing out of his mind. JPP still is playing at a high level. McCoy probably can have a good game here. I mean, you're missing your Pro Bowl center, mm-hmm. Pro Bowl right guard, and your Tyron Smith, even your beat reporter, saying uh, he ain't playing to his high level anymore. Yeah, Those are their three like best linemen. So they're filling for the center. It's not that good. Mm-hmm. I was watching the Colts tape. He – he got manhandled at times. Yeah. So, I mean, our defensive line is playing extremely high level. So, if we rush Dak Prescott and all they have is Ezekiel Elliott and Amari Cooper, because no one else is catching the ball. That's true. No one else is really making an, an effort. Just contain just contain Zeke mm-hmm. and take away Cooper. Just keep someone over the top of him. I mean, it's, it's that simple in that nature, and that's why I think we can be a spoiler in this one. Not mainly based off our offense, but mainly based on preventing the Cowboys from scoring. Yeah, that's I, what the Colts did. Yeah, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I think at the most you're looking at like a 24 type, you know, 24-17 type of game. You know, and low. I think so. I mean, in that in that type of range. I mean, it's not going to be. I've seen like predictions of like 31 to 28 or something like. I don't. I just don't see it being that. I would think like maybe you know around the 24 under 24 points. Uh, but yeah, our defense, defensive line especially, has been playing well. I think this is a game where you can just rush four and play seven in coverage, or you know whatever you want to do, keep guys back. I think zone coverage is actually going to be a big thing in this game, especially against Mari Cooper, because he excels very much in, in man coverage. That's what he does best, getting open uh, with his route running ability. So I think 
you know, like Mark said, getting after the quarterback, but we also have to contain Dak Prescott inside the pocket. Don't let him get outside and, and use his legs. That's going to be something to look for. Uh, as far as Ezekiel Elliott, I think this actually plays well into what we do and, you know, being able to stop the run. Uh, yes, our linebackers have been hurt, but I think with the way our front four is playing, I think you'll be able to get, you know, some push and make those plays um, and hold Elliott to, you know, minimal, minimal gains. Yeah, I, I agree there. I mean, our run hasn't been doing that well, but I mean, all Baltimore did was run. Yeah. They just grounded us out and yeah. our team was too tired to stop it pretty much. Yep. And it was cold. It was rainy. It, like that fit into Baltimore's game plan. This one, I mean, it's indoors. Yes, it's in Dallas, but Vita Vea, come on. The man was playing out of his mind. Yeah. He can really, truly stop the run or push the line back to, to prevent Ezekiel Elliott from getting these big chunks. So I can see him really being wreaking havoc in that aspect. In the pass rush, he's going to be helping Nassib and JPP on the edge because he's going to draw so much attention. Right. Right? Because if, if he gets through, if he's at one-on-one, he gets through, they're going to draw all the attention towards him because you don't want 350 landing on your damn quarterback. Yeah. Let's be <laughs> honest. Um, so, I mean, there, I think we're good. We're, we, we can – Per, I mean, contain him. I don't think we're going to stop him. Yeah, Elliot, he's still averaging really, really well. Elliot is a hell of a running back. He's one of the top backs in the league. He's going to get some yards. I mean, that's that's no mistake. Uh, he's going to make plays. Uh, the thing is, against, I think what you have to do is basically what the Colts did last week, and that's bend, don't break. Keep them in front of you. Don't allow the big plays. Uh, and then, you know, red zone defense, that's been an issue for us. But it's been better over the last couple of weeks. So hopefully we can do some good things. But I think our pressure up front is going to be the key. And I think they'll be able to have some success. And maybe we'll get some turnovers. It was funny that the one of the Dallas writers, he's a guy we follow on. I follow him on Twitter because he's a, he's a good draft guy. Um, he talked about how the tight end matchup versus Jordan Whitehead is somewhere where they think they can exploit. I just thought it was funny because Jordan Whitehead is actually pretty good against tight ends. So he's, he's just looking at height probably. Yeah, I mean they have a big tight end. I think he's like six six, six seven. Escobar. No, it's not Escobar. It's not Escobar, it's someone else that they have starting. And he was talking about Whitehead and how they could maybe take advantage of that. So that'll be something to watch, um, something to look for. But I think our defense matches up well. Well, I mean, looking at how they ran not ran the ball, but ran their offense, the first two possessions they had against the Colts. They did well, actually. Yeah. They took it all the way down the, the field, the first two possessions. On one, they got their field goal blocked right. and shortened the field for Andrew Luck and the Colts offense, and they ended up scoring a touchdown. They get the ball back again, go all the way down to the field, get fourth and one on, like, the one- or two-yard line, and they turn it over on downs. So it's like they 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 were in it. Mm-hmm. They just shot themselves in the foot twice. Like, you could have had at least six points, been seven to six, bare minimum. But you, you get it blocked, and then you don't score in fourth and one. So, I mean, they are they are capable. I mean, they know how to use Cooper to get him open. They, they do end-arounds with him, too. They, they're feeding the guys they need to feed. Mm-hmm. So they're not dumb. And they do a lot of comeback routes and outs. Very basic, very easy. Just give Dak one read, go. Mm-hmm. So And that's playing into your how you're saying. Our defense playing zone would help a lot. Yeah. And... Do I see uh, David doing well against Ezekiel Elliott in the <laughs> middle of the field? No. Yeah. But, I mean, still, it's that's what I was saying. Just at least contain Ezekiel and try and eliminate 
Cooper because that's the only guy they're going to. If you're going to get beat by someone else, okay, let it keep beat by someone else. Don't get beat by these two guys that they want to get the ball to. Right. And we said the same case with the Saints, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they did. We did good against the Saints. Uh, I, I thought that was a good game. But anyway, you know, looking at it, offense, defense. You know, offensively, I think we're going to have to do some things differently. I think defensively, this plays into what we want to do as a defense as far as scheme and and the play calls. So that's a good sign. I think it's going to actually be to our benefit. Of course, you know, if we can get some turnovers, that's going to be the big difference maker. You know, if we can get three-plus turnovers, something along those lines, that's going to put us in the driver's seat and help our offense uh, be productive. So I think it's going to be a good game. Again, This all these Bucks games have been close. Mm-hmm. I mean, we really haven't been blown out besides the Bears game. Uh, you know, I think it's going to be coming down to the fourth quarter yet again. It's going to depend on, I think, whoever runs the ball better. You know, I think that's really uh, one of the big keys, taking care of the football. Pretty much all the things we talk about as far as keys to the game, this is just your standard game where you have to, to run it, be physical, and take care of the football. Agreed, agreed. And you you hope to see at least over 20 carries for Peyton Barber. I hope, man. He just he hasn't had it all this year, and I just I want to see it. Like, I want to see him get 25 to 30 carries and really see what the end result would be as far as production. Uh, you know, I, I don't think he's the future at running back, but I think he is a solid contributor, and I think he's a guy that you could lean on, you know, 10 to 15 carries and really maximize his value. But for the time being, I would just like to see him be the guy and see what he can do as far as getting all the touches. Yeah, and like I've said it before, mm-hmm. have him be like the Mark Ingram right. of our offense. Just right. a guy that you can pound it in between the tackles and get those fight yards. Like, you know, he, every time he runs the ball, he's banging off of people, yeah. spinning, pushing forward. He never falls back. Right. So, I mean, you can, you can be a, a power back with Barber. You just need the other – you just need another all-around guy like the Kamara. Like a guy that can catch the ball, that can – like you were saying, past uh, podcast, a guy mm-hmm. can run, catch, and block yeah. all around. I mean, Barber does one, actually two of those really, really well. Yeah, you just need a guy that can do all three. And it's that in this day and age with the NFL, it's a dual back. You don't really have one guy that just dominates. I mean, Fournette was the closest thing, and look at him—he's hurt. Mm-hmm. And I mean, until we get that, you, you guys hope Ronald Jones is that. I hope so too, as a Bucks fan. We'll see. We have the future still ahead yeah. of us. We'll find out. Yeah. No, those are great points. And I think, you know, that's another thing hopefully we get to see in these last two games is our, some of our rookies getting more playing time, like a Justin Watson, uh, Alex Kappa, R- Ronald Jones, all those guys getting more time on the field and getting some valuable reps. But, you know, overall, this game's to sum it up, I think it's, like I said, it's going to be close. Offensively, uh, I think Jameis is, is going to have a good game. I, I just feel like he'll play well. Um, it's going to come down to taking advantage of those short mismatches that we have in the, in the short game with Adam Humphreys and Cam Brait, and hopefully we get those guys a lot of targets. And then maybe later in the game, then you go down the field and hit your big plays. But uh, we'll see. We'll see what they have uh, game-planned-wise, and hopefully it's a good one. Defensively, I think you can be aggressive and, and get after Dak Prescott. And if you can get in his face, he's, he's known to force the ball and, and, and throw some turnovers. Uh, and hopefully that leads to, you know, pick sixes or something along those lines. But with that being said, I think we're going to move in to our next subject, which is going to be the, some questions from our fans and uh, see what we got. Okay, Buck, what you heard. 
<laughs> My man. So, G- Buckwheat Gene over at Buckwheat Heard asked, should the Bucks try to retain Minter? Kevin Minter. Yeah. The linebacker, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem with it. He would be cheap, uh, good depth contract, a uh, guy that can be a reliable player. I wouldn't have any problem with that. Uh, I think he's I think he's on IR now, but, yeah, I mean, I'd be happy to bring him back. Yeah, I mean, with that, I mean, that was just a guy we signed because we had so many damn injuries. Right, right. Is he... The Bucks like, oh, we need this guy. I doubt he's a guy the Bucks say they need, especially when yeah. there's new coaching staff coming in. I guarantee they're going to think he's like an afterthought. Right. So would I fight to retain him? No. Hmm. I mean, I would look to get better, not not to retain something that's hurt and has been a journeyman. Yeah. I, that's my. No, I agree with that. I think take. I think you just I would he would be a guy that you bring in for the off season and training camp and and just have him as a a backup. A yeah, backup to a backup. You know. Yeah, I mean it. It's, it's not that big of a right. I wouldn't overspend. I wouldn't overspend to keep no, him at all. Yeah. Oh, and then here's his number. Question number two: <laughs> Is Mark allowed to stay up past 10 p.m. without permission? <laughs> Mark is me. Great question. And I am allowed to stay up past 10 without permission. It's just I'm a busy, busy damn man. <laughs> I got mouths to feed. No, but I, hey, I, I haven't had an invite in a while, so. Just saying. I know it's open invite, but some man would like a request from here from time to time, right? <laughs> well, there's there's your answer, big guy. Um, so, Alex Serrano at Dr1zz1e. Drizzle, I assume? Yeah. Yeah. How much are we willing to spend to keep Adam Humphreys? Hmm. That's a good question. I think you... I think you uh... You play the market, but I would definitely try to keep him back. Uh, I know he wants to be here, so maybe get a hometown discount. But you know, I'd be willing to spend probably at the most maybe six million. I mean, I would keep him because I think he's worth it. I think he's one of the best slot receivers in the game. I think obviously we know Deshaun Jackson's going to be gone. Uh, I think you know he's going to be out of here, um, whether it's trade or release. Um, he already sold his Tampa house, I so that, yeah. I think he's going to be gone. I think you can take some of that money, use it towards Adam Humphreys, and I think you find a way to for keep him, you know, here for a while. I I agree. Six million, I think, is going to be cheap. Yeah, I don't know if we can keep him for six million. That's a good question. That's a good point. I I think just based on like you just said, play the market. Market's yeah. going to be way more than that, especially with a guy. Could be. Is he is he getting close to a thousand yards? So, a guy that's consistent. Yeah. Reliable. That's a good slot receiver, and if he plays the market, he's going to see some big numbers. And if we have to fight that, ouch! Yeah. Um, you hope he wants to stay here. That Cam Brate, sell him. <laughs> They're good friends. Him and yeah. Cross too. Yeah. Sell him. Say stay. I mean, hell yeah, I want him. Do I think it's going to have to be more than six? Yeah. I hope seven's enough. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably say six to seven around there. Yeah, we got a similar question. Let's uh, let's answer this. This one's about Donovan Smith um, from White Boy Roy, asking: Will the Bucks cave and give Donovan Smith the big deal he's looking for? Well, no. I, I think like you. I think you've said this before. Yeah, we may even franchise tag him. Like, yeah, that'd be fourteen million. It's I mean. a lot of money, but for just one year, I can see it being plausible. Right. Just to fill holes. I mean, because you can't fill a whole, fix a whole line in one season. Yeah, you have Marpet and Jensen already locked down. If they think they can move Dom and Smith to guard. Or right tackle. Or right tackle, yeah, I can see them 
trying to do one more lockup. And plus, he's another guy, really good friends with Marpet. So mm-hmm. there is relationships there, and it's good. I mean, you want that, like continuity. Yeah. Could yeah. he stay at left tackle? Maybe. The one point I, I think I would move him. Yeah, the one point I would make is like he's been with the same O line coach his whole career, and we know Warhop has just not really gotten anything out of these guys as far as developing and, and getting them better. I mean, Marpet, I think, is an exception because he's just so damn good already. He came into the league ready to, to go. Um, I would like to see Donovan Smith with a, a different coach and a different voice, and maybe he can figure it out as far as left tackle because his just overall technique is just not there. His feet are bad. Uh, it's just it's just not there as far as what you're looking for. I think at times, I mean, he, he shows it. I mean, it's just consistency for him. I mean, at times he's just dominant, moves people out of the way, um, good hands at times. But it's about finding that complete package. But I agree with you. I think if you can move him at right tackle, get a left tackle that's more suited for today's NFL and, you know, get more athletic ability up front, I mean, that's something I think you would look at. But we'll see. I I think franchise tag is definitely on the the market, I mean, for him. Yeah, but to answer the question, will we – Give him a huge contract? No, no, no. I don't see that at all. I mean, if it was me and you making a decision, I would probably, you know, maybe six to seven million at the most, a short-term deal, like two to three years, and um, no left tackle would take that. A backup left tackle, maybe. No, I mean that's that's fair. I, I think that's fair for him. But yeah, I mean Donovan, I think you know at right tackle that'd probably be you know him. Probably be best suited for him, but I would just I would still like to see a new coach and see what they could do with him. I think he's got talent. Again, this is not a guy that lacks talent. Uh, he's got the size, everything you want. I think it's just about finding that right technique and getting him more refined. But yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's going to be an interesting, interesting free agent. Yeah, I would agree there. I mean, I think a move to right tackle would be really good for him. But last last question, Rybuck one. This is just this is a little longer. If you, if you did a pairing of the name head coach candidates out there, rank them from best to worst as a pairing with Winston. I mean, I, I would. I'm not going to go with every coach. I'll just go with the coaches we we ranked. So Let's far. just go with our top three: Dan Campbell, yeah. uh, Chris Richard, and Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I mean, and those are kind of interchangeable. The more I look into it, Chris Richard is a really good candidate. Yeah, what what offense can he bring? You don't know. All you can know is what USC and the Seattle mm-hmm. Seahawks ran. Um, Dan Campbell is just just a good motivator, just a coach, a good coach, and he's been around a lot of good offensive minds, good just overall coaches. That's why I like him as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone whines about oh, what offense, what defense, but as long as you got a guy that leads, man. I mean, and that's what we're going to talk about with our next candidate mm-hmm. that we're going to talk about after this. But it's just you need the leader first, and then his principles are followed by good coordinators to, to implement those principles. Right. That's my biggest thing. Stop looking for the, oh, this guy's a really good QB coach. But, yeah, he may be a good QB coach in a room of three, like I've said before, but if you see 90 people in front of you, you're going to get shy and be like, oh, shit. You're going to be like Mariota. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't like to talk, but I know what the hell to do. Yeah. you got to be able to, to command your will into a, a group of men, millionaires, mm-hmm. <laughs> and get them to do what the hell you want them to do. Right. So, and then, yeah, Chris Richard, Andrew, or Andrew, <laughs> Dan Campbell, and Eric Bieniemy. Those three are just, and what's funny is that they're all former players. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a rank for them. I think all the th- the three guys that we just mentioned, I think 
these are guys that we want as our coach. I think they would all benefit Jameis. I mean, I don't think we would be looking at them if they didn't benefit Jameis, you know, if that makes sense. I mean, they are they are all leaders, like Mark said, leaders of men. They know how to control a locker room. The main thing that we that has been the problem for Dirk, Dirk knows what to do, but it's like Mark said, he just doesn't know how to communicate that to the players to make sure that they do it on the field. And I think that's been the big disconnect. It just it hasn't been working on the field. His message is just not getting through to these guys. And that's why you see the inconsistency week in and week out. With the guys that we named, they are somebody that can bring accountability and make sure that they're doing it right and there's no mistakes after. Yeah, the communication aspect right. of it. Yeah. And it's it's one thing to be a genius. It's another thing to voice your genius to other people and have them feed off of what you're telling them. And, to do. Under, and understand it in a way that they know how to do it and then play fast as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, genius. Talk about Eric Mangini. Everyone's like, oh, he's so damn smart. He knows what the hell he's doing. Mm-hmm. But once he became a head coach, he was bad. Like right. he just couldn't. Yeah, I was on the Browns, yeah. but still, it was he couldn't push what he knew onto other players because right. he couldn't command a whole room. He tried to do it himself. It's, it's, it's one thing to be in a room with a couple players or, or your own position group. When you have the power to actually voice your opinion to everyone else and they buy in and really follow and you told them exactly what they had to do, then it's easy. Mm-hmm. Then they start clicking. They're they, like Chris Richard said, they get accountable, then they get dependable. Yeah. And that's what, that, things like that you, you really want, and that's what you want at the head, at the head of the home, head of the head coach, mm-hmm. right? Because everything beneath that, you know he'll find people that are similar to him. Exactly. And, yeah, because yeah, Dirk and Munkin are very, very similar. The, the way they talk, they're really, yeah, this, yeah mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Like, they, they're really straightforward and short, and they, they are smart. Don't get me wrong. Like, his little winner, winner, chicken dinner. Like, <laughs> that, I thought that was awesome. Like, they say some things that are cool, but it's like, they're not obviously getting all of it. They're not. They're not. The players aren't really eating up everything you're giving them and applying it onto the field. Because if you can't have this many miss assignments mm-hmm. over and over, yeah, maybe it's war hop. Yeah, but you got to be able to see that and change. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. Slow change, you, and that plays into scheme. That plays into you know play design. All those things that plays a big part into it. But you know, with that being said, I think we're going to go into our new candidate, which we were talking about, and that is. Matt LaFleur from the Tennessee Titans, uh, offensive coordinator, uh, has been around a couple impressive head coaches under his, his time in the NFL. Um, so he knows things like, I mean, he's, he's very, uh, he's got good experience and this is his first time as the offensive coordinator, uh, calling the plays. He was the OC for Sean McVay in 2017. So, I mean, he's got a good resume, but I think he's he's going to be a guy that we can look at, and uh, I think it at least deserves an interview. I just don't know if he is the right guy to take over. I'm not sure if he's the head coach, head coaching material yet. Might be a little bit too green, but he's impressive. I mean, as far as schemes and know how to attack defenses, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, so a little bit more diving deep into him. He's only 39. That fits the the trend for finding young guys. Yep. Um, he was QB coach. That fits all the fans that love QB coaches mm-hmm. for the Redskins when they were developing Kirk Cousins and RG3 when they drafted him. And then they he went to the Falcons QB coach with Ryan in 2015 and 2016. I believe they went to the Super Bowl in 2016, correct? Who's that? 15. The Falcons. Falcons, yes. Uh, I believe it was 2015. 15. So he, yeah. he was QB coach for Matt Ryan then. 
So last year, Rams OC. This year, Titans OC. So offensive coordinators are OC. So the big thing I found out was the Titans interviewed um, Matt LaFleur for their head coaching job this year. Right. He ended up losing out to Mike, Mike Vrabel, right? Yep. Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. Another player's coach, a guy who played in the league. Maybe he's more of a powerful voice. The big thing I think, like I was jumping off what I've been saying, maybe Matt LaFleur just is still too young. And he's still trying to learn how to voice his genius onto other players, right? right? Yeah. And Mike Vrabel's a huge, powerful voice. He's done it. He knows what it takes. And that's what you need at the top. And that, that's one area where I'm like, they didn't hire him to be head coach, but then they called him back again and said, could you be our offensive coordinator, though? We do want your plays. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of cool. And then another big thing is John Robinson, big friend of uh, Jason, Light. Jason Light, pretty much he could, was stolen from us, and now he's GM for the Titans. So you think he would know, most of all, he already interviewed Matt LaFleur for being head coach. Right. Jason Lycan just call him over and be like, oh, do you think he's ready? I mean, yeah. you didn't hire him. Why didn't you hire him? So it's another thing you can see. Okay, well, wow. Okay, they, they have a relationship, so they can fee- give feedback. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he's going to lie to them. They're good friends. Right. So that was a huge issue for me. And I think, like you were saying, he's younger. He's still learning how to be a good head coach. Is he going to be... An offensive coordinator his whole career, or will he ever be a head coach? And I found a video about him being interviewed about all the coaches he's been under, really good coaches, and what he learned under them. And then at the end, he says something really big to me that I was like, oh, okay, that's a good probably reason why he's not a head coach. Man, you have had some great influences offensive. Gary Kubiak, uh, Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. I'm probably leaving other people out. Who is the biggest influence on how you have developed as an offensive mind and and to be a play caller well it's hard to it's hard to say because they've all had a huge influence on me I'd say the guy that I spent the most time with is probably Kyle Shanahan he's the guy that I've been around the the most and then you know really they're they're all kind of a byproduct of one another so I learned there's a lot of things I learned over this last year from being reacquainted with Sean and in terms of the communication, the leadership. So, uh, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty f- good foundation and feel very fortunate enough to, to be around such great coaches. Yeah, so communication and leadership, pretty much what we've been talking about all prior to this. So, if, like I was saying, if you can't communicate your genius onto someone else mm-hmm. and have them apply it in the game, it's kind of hard. And then McVeigh's just a hell of a leader, powerful, runs to see it, to get his team away from a fight. Yeah. Like he's in the heart of it. If you're really quiet, low-key, it's kind of hard to be a great coach. Yeah, Belichick doesn't do that. But probably behind closed doors, all of his players know, well, this damn guy stands up for me, and he just does it in a different way. But either way, he's a damn powerful guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think those are key attributes uh, that you need to be a head coach. And you look at all the good ones, I mean, they have it. And I just, like we said earlier, I just don't think he's ready for that that time yet. I think you got to see what he can do for Tennessee coming up in the next season with a full arsenal and, and really see what uh, they're made of. Um, but I, I think, you know, he would be a guy, I think, that could be someone that you could build with and grow with in time, but I just don't think the success will be right away. Uh, it's just, he's just not ready. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah, but... but- in that, let's also give him benefit of the doubt. Yeah, he's had all these good coaches, Gary Kubiak, Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, like they were saying, McVay, mm-hmm. all of them great offensive geniuses. 
and they could actually push it onto their players. But a lot of it's zone running schemes, working the pass off of the zone, and that's a big thing with him. Yeah, McVay does it really, really well. Mm-hmm. They've been struggling a little bit, but still, they're in the hunt because of the scheme that they run. Right. And this is a little bit of him talking about the scheme. You've also, as sort of an overseer involved with offenses, always been a guy who's been well known to really favor balance, thinking that balance in an offense is vitally important. If the pass game is going to work as well as it can, the run game has to be a threat. Absolutely. I think especially in those normal situations when it's first and second down and you're you're in a, a balanced situation you it really starts with our run game and we want a strong marriage between our running game and passing game in terms of you know if, if, we're, if we're running an inside zone play we're going to have the action off of that so that the defense can't take away both yeah so an inside run can also be a pass. Right. It's the same. The offensive line can move like it's going to be a run, but still you're passing out of it. And that's something the Bucks don't really do. Yeah, I mean, I think as far as scheme and offense and, and, and knowing what to dial up as far as attacking weaknesses, I think Matt LaFleur is one of the top guys. I mean, obviously he has a good mind on his shoulders. I think he could come in if, if he was a candidate and we, we ended up hiring him. I think he could put up with the talent that we have, he would put up a good offense. The problem is I just don't think he's the right guy for the time now like as far as what we need to be changing the culture like we talked about I just don't think he's that guy yet uh I think you know if we were at this point you know in his career maybe a few years down the road then yes he'd be a strong candidate but I think there's just other guys that are above him right now that we need to look at and really change our mentality from this losing culture that we've had and we just need someone that's going to grab the locker room and I just don't just don't think he's that guy yet yeah yeah I mean like like you just said, grab the locker room. Mm-hmm. He's very not soft spoken, but he's not powerful. Like you heard Chris Rashard, Dan Campbell, Eric Bieniemy. They, they I mean they they talk with like a point behind it, and they're pushing it onto you. Like no, they're I don't know. They just grab you as yeah. when they talk. Yep. And I think that's what this locker room really really needs. We don't need a Greg Schiano where it's gonna be like oh get your damn toes in line. <laughs> we need a guy that can communicate to them, tell them. Listen, you sucked last year, mm-hmm. and this is the reason why, and this is why we're going to get better. Yep. But be true to them and actually push them to be better. Get get into relationships with each one of these players and tell them, okay, well, this is why you did bad. But I'm telling you, you're a piece of crap now, but I'm going to get you yeah. a lot better. Just believe in me. And I feel like these three candidates can do that. Matt LaFleur, yeah, he's a great mind, but like you said, down the road maybe. He's just got to get the communication and leadership a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I just don't think he's ready. Again, experience is something that he will get with time. And, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to watch them if, if they do make the playoffs, see what they can do. Uh, he's gotten Derrick Henry going, you know, the last couple of weeks. So that's, that's nice to see. Uh, Mariota is playing better despite the numbers. His interceptions are down. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a, a, a few more years. But, yeah, I mean, he's a guy – that we should definitely interview. I mean, I would interview him just for, you know, see what his thoughts are and see what he his plans are, you know, to be a, if he was a head coach. So, yeah, I mean, I think that I think that concludes it. Um, yeah. And I think we're going to end the show with that. And I hope you enjoyed it. 
Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Real Buckstock. Be sure to join us uh, on iTunes. Hey, also, be sure to leave us reviews and comments, please. Uh, anything you guys think of, uh, let us know. Um, if, if you don't like the show, let us know. You know, we can make changes. Uh, we're learning on the fly and trying to improve our, as well. So, uh, but it's always fun. And, um, yeah, as always, go Bucks. And let's see what they can do tomorrow. Enjoy the game. I mean, we only got two of them left, so let's enjoy it. Let's go.